0: Honest questions with honest answers. This is unfiltered. Brought to you by the Emergency Medical Minute. Wait, but, you, do you still play soccer? Uh, I played uh, last year on like a co-ed pickup team. You should play on
1: my brother's team. Yeah, they he did. A, yeah, they're, like they're. Like, I would, decent. Yeah, they're, like, like all like you're, they're all. The like, ball like is like passed between yeah. players, and they have like some players who played college and some who didn't. Yeah, but they, they like I'll they're play. always looking. But, although no one's playing right now. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, sadness. I would be. Awful. Oh, I bet if I oh, play,
0: I'm awful. So. Just because I haven't played in a while, and yeah, I'm a lot heavier than I was when I played.
1: Yeah, same with me. It's like I played tennis. It's like, all muscle, though. Yeah, it's all all so. muscle mass below the fat. Lean,
0: lean muscle mass.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm cultivating mass so I can go faster yeah. down the hill when I ski. They say muscle weighs more, but somehow I'm heavier. <laughs> all right, let's just let's just start. We started already. Did we start already? Yeah. We will at some point re in all the things that you've done it's a lot we'll put a link to his bio we don't have time to go through it all it's it's, it's long it's called and impressive this is the list is long like and distinguished
1: a bio of an, uh, an undecided person that's what they look like <laughs> so if you can't figure it out just do everything a perpetually unsettled individual which <laughs> is not a bad thing sometimes that's my wife she really enjoys it
0: <laughs> enough with the malarkey Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Unfiltered. Today, we are privileged to have our guest, Dr. Ricky Dollywall, MD, JD, uh, dual trained EMIM physician, extensive and diverse background. He's worked with cybersecurity. He worked in the uh, Government Accountability Office. Trained at Hennepin. Worked at Hennepin. President of EMRA. Man of many hats and many impressive accomplishments. We're happy to have him on. Uh, and look forward to talking to him.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Excited. Thank you. You know, thank just you. to be able to stare at your tired face after an overnight. I am
0: acutely delirious. Yeah, I think the listeners will notice a very distinct difference in my voice today, and that is acute delirium, folks. I mean, your bags are definitely lower than your, yeah, than what my eyes, I think it's my eyes that you're your referring eyes. to.
1: That's what I am. You, on okay.
0: the other hand, look great. Just finished oh, a shift, yeah, right? Things are great. Looks I wish this were a video platform. You look super <laughs> handsome. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, that's what Indians always look good. That's mm-hmm. what we do. That's right. That's what Timeless. Do, do. Ageless. <laughs> ageless. <laughs> Speaking of being Indian, tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about what it was like growing up. Well, you know, I uh, grew up in a first-generation we first family. My parents uh, immigrated to the United States in the 60s. Well, my dad in the 60s, 1968. He went to the University of Wisconsin. He came from a tiny, tiny, tiny village, which... Uh, I've been to and is, uh, my wife is, is white and she was the first white person they'd ever seen. Um, you know, and in India, everything's competitive. So his ability to actually get out was huge. He had, he was like the top out of hundreds of thousands of people just to get into engineering school. And then the top of that, uh, to be able to get, uh, a spot at the University of Wisconsin. Then, you know, they were very, very poor. And so his family put together, uh, as much money as they could from their farming uh they had a they had a farm and were able to send him out here and so he moved and left everything he knew uh all by himself in 1968 to madison wisconsin you know so he's a young guy with a turban and nobody and uh he figured it out uh he went back to india met my mom got married she stayed there he finished school moved yeah moved to oh moved to ohio mm-hmm. she finally came he was you know working out in ohio and and in pittsburgh as he's an engineer mechanical engineer i was born in ohio uh, East Liverpool Ohio I yeah I don't like to admit that very often but it's it's true I can't I was both there. of us born and raised <laughs> in Ohio not really raised you weren't raised I was there for se. a month I was there for a month it was a glorious formative month. glorious month yeah. yeah and then we moved to Rochester shout out East Liverpool Potters Liverpool. yeah blue and white <laughs> yeah right mm-hmm. so my sister she's born in India I was born here it, Potter's huh yeah I'm that's just... their mascot oh, that's a good mascot. that's another podcast uh sister born in India I was born in Ohio moved to Rochester my brother was born there and then we lived in Germany for a couple of years. What? Because my dad was with Kodak. And then uh, right. came back and then lived in Colorado since I was like, what, tw- 13, 12, 13? So Fort Collins, Your Colorado, dad. baby. Well, yeah. Your dad is a badass. My dad and my mom both. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. So, you know, they uh, they sacrificed a lot for us to get out here. And so, you know, luckily, my sister, my older sister, my brother and I have, you know, been we've been lucky. You know, they provided a stable stable home with the Indian culture and kind of blending in with with being American you know I, th- I would I would say that they were probably a little sad that you know we've lost a few things like language you know mm. although we're trying to get it back we understand Punjabi but speaking it of course you mm-hmm. know just like any first generation you're like I you know I'm just gonna speak English gonna assimilate yeah right? assimilate and so you know and then so pretty much everything we do is not and nothing compared to what my mom and my yeah. dad did. Yeah, did did from. they talk about that a lot with you growing up? I mean, this is where we're from, and this is what
0: I, you know, this is what I had to go through to 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 get you the opportunities that you're
1: having, or was it kind of implied, understood, or no? It's fine. Like so, they talked about where they were from, you know. Like so, we knew, you know, we knew we're, we were Indian, you know, our community was Indian, you yeah. know. Uh, but, you know, my dad you never really said that until we were older and we started really questioning about it mm-hmm. and you you realize like the crazy sacrifices him and my mom went through to to get here it's like it's unbelievable honestly it is, it like, is. like the story of of uh of them getting here and you know how they've kind of made their way and now you know a good middle class family is uh impressive it is so. it,
0: it is it's an incredible story <laughs> and it's an American story, as we, we've talked about that a lot. That yeah. is an American story. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'd I I'd like to think that, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, this day and age, things have changed a little bit, but I, I think that's still the story. It is. I agree. You know, and, and they must be really proud, you know, particularly of your brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, he, we do have a golden child. <laughs> it is my brother, you know. <laughs> he, You know, and he, he will always rub it in. Um, so, but... You know, I'd love but you to... can't win with all of your kids. Yeah, exactly, you know, right? And you married up. I did. So I they can up. be proud of you in that way. Well, that's the thing, you know. I, I married a really smart lady, and so that uh, hopefully uh, puts a little bit more positive. They're light not going to kick life. you out of the family, not yet, because she's in the family. Luckily, now. luckily. So. so that's why I got to make sure she doesn't divorce me. Right. Good so, point. Yeah. Good
0: point. So yeah, she. You know, there will be better options out there i mean every day of the course of her life every day yeah every day
1: yeah, yeah. Even, i mean even today she accidentally called me while she was trying to get a console. she's like oh i must have hit the wrong husband button it happens
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you know just win win the day win today and it's all you can do yeah she's there in the morning and it's a win hope for a good tomorrow your kids are there and
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but the kid luckily the kids actually aren't here right now well not luckily but you know we're working a lot so mom and dad are are uh, helping out. Which it's awesome. It's an important thing when you have a two-doc family.
0: Yes. Yes. Tell me more about that. Tell me about balancing that life, family. I have a one-month-old now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good luck. And uh, yeah, it's just fundamentally different now. But you have two.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you're crushing it, both of you guys. I mean, we are surviving. I mean, <laughs> kids are amazing. I mean, they're like the best thing in the world, right? But yep. it's hard. And, it's, you know, I think, especially in the time of COVID, childcare, juggling things, trying to keep people safe. It's uh, it's definitely been a whole other world, uh, and and you know that whole childcare thing. When you got two people working weird hours, it's mm-hmm. uh, it makes it a lot more difficult. So luckily, Google Calendar is uh, yes. You, know, you can make multiple calendars. I don't know if you knew that. I I I use a pen and paper. I've seen you with that.
0: Yeah, it's and foolproof. Yeah. I've never missed an appointment <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> you were the president of Emra. Mm-hmm. What was the best and worst thing about being president of Emra? I think the best thing was uh, the people you get to work with and actually knowing you're trying to help residents and the medical community. You know, I think we did a lot of cool stuff um, to help uh, residents and med students succeed uh, in being and becoming good docs. And I think that was a really cool thing, You know, mm-hmm. being able to to be the, the voice for them. Yeah, present company, notwithstanding. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's not your yeah, fault.
0: Keep going. You can't <laughs> yeah, win them all. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're born with smart or not, right? But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a cool experience to be able to do that. Plus, you get to meet these leaders uh, in medicine, and emergency medicine, that are, like, the gods. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, a really uh, amazing experience. You know, I think the hard part, of course, with anything is, like, your training and traveling and trying yep. to juggle everything, you yep. know, which never changes as you find out. You know, like, oh, this, this is really hard. And then you move on. And if you want to be in, involved and be a leader, it, it takes a little bit more more effort. Uh, were you married at the time when you were? But, yeah. yeah, We were married. we got married right before we started residency. Okay. Yeah. Moved to Minnesota, got married. You um, were like, she's going to need a
0: lot of other residents. I'm gonna lock this down <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. right now. <laughs> Let's do it. I know. Yeah. I got married in residency. I know the same. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, live with my in-laws for a bit. It was, uh, it was a, it's a great time.
0: <laughs> so what was the worst part of being a president?
1: Um, I think i'm trying to think Uh, time commitment yeah i guess time commitment you know that was i think that was the hardest like just being away from my wife you know i think it gets old when you're already busy yeah it's exhausting Uh, already luckily we didn't have kids at the time and so that made it a little bit more feasible but you know that's always hard but at the same time get to travel to you know great places meet meet really cool people and interesting people uh and get learned a lot of skills like from a leadership perspective definitely yeah kind of a look behind the curtain early on from an operations
0: perspective yeah. and all the political stuff. Yeah, it's, I'm sure, invaluable, you know. Yeah, we'll see.
1: I'm still, well, still, still working on it one day,
0: you'll, <laughs> you'll find it. I'll find out.
1: And when you find it, you're going to let me know. Yeah, i got a couple more degrees, and we'll do it. So <laughs> we'll get back to
0: you. Um, you were faculty mm-hmm. at Hennepin Yeah. after you graduated residency. Yep. Uh, so you've now spent a good number of years in both community and academic jobs. What, what would you tell folks, you know, who are looking at both coming out of training? You know, what was your kind of thought process, and how has it changed as you've changed uh,
1: settings over the years? Yeah, I think um, so. I will say that I was truly happy in the academic world. I think there's something about um, and being an academic, academician. Mm. Mission, yeah. Um, Mason looked that word up. I'm not sure. Yeah. that one. It's
0: a word, and two, what it means, and yeah. splice it out. If you know. Splice out what I just said because I can't
1: not know something as the host. Thank you, academician. <laughs> uh, Country of origin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it pushes you. You know, it, you know, when you're in that kind of space, especially at Hennepin, you know, they they were they're always been like the tip of the spear, right? Is mm-hmm. that, that's the that's right. It's yeah. like Guam. They're one of those. They're one of those programs that pushes the envelope and everything, and so it requires you to really be knowledgeable and be unafraid mm-hmm. to, to try new things. And the only way you do that is by understanding what you're doing. Right. And so I think that's uh, yeah, see, it's a word. I it's a word. An
0: academician. According to what is that website? G- Google.
1: Nah, I don't believe it. Just watch spellbound. I don't believe you know. it. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like, um, being in academics, there's a there's a different feel to it. I'm not, you know, I wasn't huge on the research part, but I was doing admin work, which mm. I really enjoyed. And so, I think that's one aspect. Then you go to the private world, um, and you know, there's I think there's a happy medium. You can still continue to teach yeah. and push yourself, but you just got to find a way. So like yep. things like like what you're doing, like you know, you know, Medical Minute, doing things like this. Um, and finding ways to to be able to continue like that teaching piece, yep. it, you can still do it. And you yep. know the private APPs, work, yeah, yep. right. Nursing, but private educating. world's different. You know your your underlying goal, not maybe not goal, but the things that are most important uh, in the private world may be a little bit different in mm-hmm. the academic world, right? Whether that be, you know, how you bill things, how much critical care, you know, those kinds of throughput, throughput, right? Metrics, but not not that those aren't important. They they still matter in an academic center, but. You know, I think there's a there's a a, a different level of uh, expectation. I mm-hmm. think in, in that regard. So, you know, I think I think you can find your place uh, in either way. Um, but if you truly love if you truly love to do you know papers and you know teach and those kinds of things, I think you know the academic role can is maybe might maybe more suited for you. But there are private jobs, you know, like you know what we're doing, you know, at our jobs, yeah. you know that. You can find the best of both worlds. Yeah, it just got to be the
0: right fit, right in the right the right environment. You've you've had a couple, you know, now new jobs as you've kind of transitioned across places. What what would you tell folks would to if you could pick one question that you would ask, you know, before you go into a new job for someone coming out of training?
1: What would you what would you tell them to to ask? I think first of all, before you pick a new, even ask the question, you need to figure out what you what you like right if you're mm-hmm. someone who needs to get pushed every day and you enjoy um that that feeling of kind of on the edge um you know i think that's an important thing to know versus someone who's like i like to just chill you know like i don't i don't need to see the super sick people i mm-hmm. think that's like that first point point. and then you got to ask that question like what is your practice like i yep. think that's the most important thing and they're going to tell you you know a lot of times they'll tell you but There's always going to be a a little bit of uh, a little bit. Yeah. We love critical care. Yeah, things are great. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to kind of pick through it. And I would say, go see the place, you know, like Mm -hmm. just like residency. It's like, you know, it's, it's it's a similar kind of thing. Figure out what you want and then find those places that kind of have it and asking people that work in the practice, not just the person that you're talking to who's your recruiter or or whatever, um, you know, from, from that area. You got to, you got to ask people who are in the, in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah, It's great. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's why I I did a switch this year. I think I, you know, while the place I was working at, I loved it. Um, You know, there was some teaching that was going on there too, because we had the Denver Health residents coming Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. I just missed, um, I missed the really sick people. And I I missed, uh, I think I just missed that critical care, but also just, the feel of being pushed all the time yeah, and so sure. you know not you know we've got that here at Swedish got that Skyridge you know we have a lot of, there's a lot of other hospitals in the in the city of Denver that you can you can get that yep, so yep yep you miss me and you I didn't even know you, me yet that's what it was you actually. didn't even know me yet but, but i knew of you you knew me before you met me one of my coworkers there spoke of this man sippus <laughs> <laughs> all right what else do you
0: want to talk about man i don't know what do you want to talk about i don't know i mean we can talk about anything what makes you tick it's a great question. Um, I'll be the one asking the questions on this podcast. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Sorry about that. You like that? No, I mean,
0: I think I, you know, to echo some of your points, I mean, I think we are all products of our environment, right? And mm. I think we'd all like to believe that we have kind of an infinite, intrinsic motivation. And we, if we were helicoptered and dropped in anywhere, we could self-motivate to... Do whatever we wanted and reach our maximal potential, but that's not true, right? No, no yeah. a fucking way, <laughs> right? So you need people around you who, like, consciously and unconsciously, are going to challenge you yep. and push you to do better. And I think your points about trying to find that
1: uh, when you're looking for a job is is is, is true. And right? coming out like that's a huge thing because mm-hmm. you got all of you have the skill set that you like you have and, and you can lose really quickly right? if you don't use it. You lo- yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? I mean,
0: that's so what I've heard it's true though and, and i think and you know in the on the cl- in the clinical world that just that mentality of challenging you know challenging ideas and challenging you know if something is literature based if something is evidence based and and that mentality the academic mentality of being up to date with literature and you know and constantly refreshing and constantly learning new procedural techniques and best practices i mean that that's something i would say i continue to try and struggle to find time to do, right? I mean, I think you get into the community setting and you, you get into operation stuff, you get into med staff leadership, you do, you know, throughput, you do ultrasound, whatever, but you, you're not doing monthly conferences or or weekly conferences and journal clubs. And you're not being challenged by that, you know, attending on shift who's the critical care guru in your residency and who's going to, you know, rip you about vent settings. And you know, you're not doing that right. You're not doing it on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, so you have to find people who will do it and challenge you to do it. So you don't look dumb. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to, totally. right? Like you want, like, you don't want to sound stupid at sign out. Yeah. You exactly. Know? like you don't want to like, you know, be like, yeah, I gave.
1: I, yeah. So he's on like, <laughs> you know, like You mean that was wrong? <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, but it's also like patient care. Like totally. I, I, totally. If you aren't motivated to want to give the best care that you can give, I mean, then you're not gonna push yourself to keep getting better, yeah. right? And I think that's what it all comes down to. Like, I feel like if any every physician should strive to give the best care they can, and the only way you can give better care is by knowing there that you need to continue. To learn, yeah, right. You've got to be humble,
0: right? I mean, yeah. the patients are put on the earth to humble us. It's true. First, f- second, third, and fourth. I mean, that's if if and when you know I retire, that's gonna be like my career tombstone is going to say <laughs> humbled humbled here lies Nick <laughs> Mike humbled drop. on a daily basis <laughs> mic drop but it's true right I mean it's it's just
1: it's atypical presentations and it's yeah.
0: changing you know therapeutics and diagnostics and it's it's, it's humbling
1: yeah well and then you got to find time with all for all this stuff when, you know you just had a kid I mean the, it's yeah. it, plenty it, of time your it, priorities change really quickly
0: <laughs> it's true I, this might be the last unfiltered for a year I don't know <laughs> I mean Probably
1: it might it might be. Well, just remember if you don't use it, you lose it. Ooh, there's another thing. Pay. Pay. I think um, you know, a lot of a lot of folks, including myself, you come up with a lot of debt, right? And so mm. you're partly. No, not familiar. Never. Right? <laughs> so you're partly. I paid t- it in cash. Yeah. Now you're.
0: Pay- <laughs> like Every you- month, I walked into the the registrar's office in medical school and just dropped a big stack. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and I just said, don't ask where that came from. I'm not. I'm not going to ask. Don't ask. It's not going to be on this podcast. I was was
1: noticing you got a lot of scars there. Um, Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.
0: If you don't use it, you lose it. Keep going. What were you saying? No, I was just saying.
1: uh, You know, you're you're driven now, like from a financial standpoint. Like, sometimes people can't take the jobs they want because it doesn't pay as well. I mean, I'll tell you, like, living in Colorado, Mm -hmm. you know, we are 50 out of 50 in terms of pay from any other state in the country, and I, I left Minnesota, which is very high, you know, high compensation place for emergency physicians. And it's a huge deal, right? But at the same time, you know, I would say that I'm in, in many ways happier, you know, because yep. I'm in a place that after I get done with work, I can truly enjoy. Not that I couldn't in Minnesota, but it's just like a different world, sure. away, you know, sure. being near family, that kind of thing.
0: So yeah, you just have to put those variables into your family's equation, right? Yep. And uh, things are... But the slope of that line is very different.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. That slope is very different. Find a side gig. You know what we could talk about? We could talk about advocacy and and medicine. Let's
0: talk about that. Yeah. I mean... You're a man of color. Tell me about what it has been like to be a man of color practicing medicine in the last five to ten years and what I, as a white man, don't understand about that.
1: Well, I mean, I think, honestly, like... There's been few uh, episodes where I've had issues in terms of being, you know, Indian. I definitely would say females and mm-hmm. folks of, uh, you know, other uh, other backgrounds probably have more difficulty. Um, but I, I I think that, you know, the the go to isn't isn't just being a person of color practicing, but it's understanding the the patients that we have, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't allow yourself to understand everyone and have an open mind, uh, you're, you're probably not going to get to the bottom of some of the medical issues that are, 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 happening. Right. And you know, you're like, well, why is this person keep coming back?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you actually like delve down and find out, well, their home situation is really rough. And because of that, they're not able to get their meds. That's unstable. And that's why they keep coming back. Yep. Um, you know, maybe you could make a huge difference in terms of their outcomes. And I think that's like, You know, part of our job. You know, in this day and age, unfortunately, we're all—it's about throughput, right? And it's about you know getting people in and out. And because of that, I think sometimes you miss it. And that's where maybe in these academic Mm settings, settings or some some of the smaller community settings, you may have a little bit more opportunity to actually explore that. Um, And so I think that's something that's important. But I also think like one of the other pieces when I say advocacy is also like advocating for medicine. Um, you know, mm. and you look at what's happening, you know, right now, yep. um, you know, insurance companies and hospitals, they, they rule, right. Yep. Physicians have become like second and third fiddle now. Um, you know, providers are no longer the ones driving care in a lot of places. It's, you know, it's, uh, bottom lines and, you know, nursing and, and, um, until, unless physicians, um, you know, EM or whatever, really try to take hold of this and understand it, we're not, We're it's just going to continue to get worse and we're going to be less and less happy with our practice. I was going to say, that is time and time again shown by studies to be one of the leading causes of burnout. Yep. Lack of control of your own practice. Yeah, like the right. autonomy. Autonomy. Right? We love, emergency medicine is all about autonomy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, like, it sucks sometimes, right? Um, you know, just think about like your last shift, you know, if you're like, well, I need to do these, these, uh, sepsis criteria, right. I got to do this. Um, even though you think it may not be the best practice, mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. And part of it is because we haven't been advocating for ourselves, you know, and then you look at other things like out of bit, out of network billing. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knows in the medical f- world that this is an insurance issue, right. But we have done a piss poor job of of uh educating the public and we we're doing that We you know, we haven't done that because yep. we're so busy doing other things yep. We're like well you know that's not going to change that's right but it could so i don't know i think that uh the next phase and that's really important um from you know people who are coming into emergency medicine is that you got to take the time to understand the issues that are happening because yep. it's going to affect you like a lot, way more than you can think in the next five to 10 years. I believe, yeah, I believe that. I think
0: you have to understand how the health system works, Mm -hmm. what the health system prioritizes, what, you know, what's the language of a health system administrator, right? Yep. You know, uh, because that's going to have to be a language that you're fluent in if you want to be a leader in today's modern healthcare, right? Totally. You know, and I think, you know, you you hit on the head. Uh, I don't, there's a lot to be said about how hard it is to gain back, you know, land, turf that you've lost yep. in that world, right? Because the other entities, hospitals, insurance companies are experienced in PR, they're experienced in, you know, wh- you know, look at look at television advertising for insurance companies. Yep. You ask 10 people what an insurance company does and they're convinced that the insurance company is p- Chief primary concern is to help you as you know as a consumer and and to for your wellness and your care and and there's just an inherently positive you know kind of opinion of insurance companies because it's of like an intentional effort to you know portray that and yeah insurance fills an obviously I mean it's an important role it's a it's an essential cog in the in the healthcare system but you know they're better at self marketing self promotion they're better at public opinion and uh, political advocacy and being involved on the Hill and all the things, you know, things that physicians aren't interested in, frankly, and don't do well, you know, and there is a subset of physicians that are good at the financial part of it, I would say, but even that is, you know, minuscule compared to the number of people who are good at it from, you know, hospital side or insurance
1: side or pharma side, pharma side and, you know, legislative side. That's where it all, it all drives from there. Yeah. I mean, mean, look what happened here in Colorado. You know, we kind of, Emergency medicine cut semi blindsided. We all came together finally, you know, Mm -hmm. as a as a cohesive group, which was really important. But unfortunately, we hadn't spent the time as much as we should have to build that uh, understanding with legislators and that trust. And so, you know, this year, just in general, we we made a concerted effort in the state to really become the the go to uh, profession. Um, for legislators to get the information, mm-hmm. especially in the time of COVID, you know? And, and I think important. emergency
0: physicians fill that niche, and I'm biased. I mean, I, I fully recognize my own, own bias. But, but we fill that niche because that's what we do. Yep. I mean, right? Like, get there computers. isn't really another specialty that, as frequently as we do, interacts and touches with every other specialty, you know, medical and surgical specialties, right? That our job is to communicate things amongst players with very diverse perspectives and d- very diverse motivations. Yep you know, and to communicate it really on a layperson perspective to patients as well. You know, and that's what you're doing to legislators, right? You're taking complex medical terminology and principles and trying to boil it down to a politician in a way that you think can be broadly applicable. And and, and I think that's what we do on a daily basis. So yeah. I, we should take leadership in that, you yeah. know. In addition to what we've already touched on is, you know, the role of medicine in COVID, right? I mean, who's being put out, in the public eye, you know, which, you know, which medical, I'm going to use that term very broadly, which medical opinions are being pushed and advocated and the politicization of medicine. And, you know, in the, in the era of COVID is something that we cannot allow to be dictated to us in the same way that a lot of our practice has. Right. I mean, I think that has been a particularly worrisome trend in my opinion over the last six to nine months is that it is being, you know, Medical, yeah, medical treatments, medical research, uh, you know, medical advancements. Whether it's your vaccines, your therapeutics for COVID, whatever it is, they are they are inherently becoming political
1: footballs, and that is not how it has been, nor how it should be. No, nope. but I think like the key is is that as practitioners, we stand our ground and we continue to practice evidence based medicine, right? So no matter what's out there, as long as as long as we continue to practice what we know is true and right from a evidence-based perspective, you, I mean, you can't go wrong. Science is real. Science Uh, is very real. For those of you guys ever wondering, it (laughs) is real. You know, I, am I'm wondering what's going to happen now that, um, you know, now that we have a new president elect, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm hoping things will kind of get, get back, uh, to you where you can actually, uh, tell the public you can trust what they're saying because they're basing it on science, uh, versus, um, you know, someone possibly making some money on the mm-hmm. side or some tweet that they they read yeah. so you know i it's a uh, it's an interesting time it we'll, is we'll see where we come out you it know? Is. hopefully not with COVID, but you know i think I that's sure hope it. not you know I, I think messaging is a big thing it I, is. I, you know take the time tell the people around you like wear wear a mask but we also have to do it you know we got to do the same thing mm-hmm. you got to practice what we preach so you know when when you're getting you know groups of docs or nurses you know, all coming down with COVID, um, you know, at one time, you know, there's, there's other things that are happening that we need to make sure we're on top of, which is, you know, practicing what we preach. Yeah. Right.
0: Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Who would you say
0: w- was the most influential figure in your career? If you had to pick one from a, just an all around perspective. Mm
1: hmm. I'd say there's... Can be MD, JD, can be from your academic day? I think there's like... I I would say there's two people. So one person is a guy by the name of Steve Anderson. So Steve Anderson, um, he practices out in Washington. Um, And um, for those of you who know him, you know how amazing he is. So, you know, Steve, I'll just describe him. He's a hilarious guy. He's got a rat tail uh, and he cares. You know, he is someone who got good at practicing medicine and then advocated and so he helped change things within the state um, and and then you know he has had real-life experience with things such as you know the loss of his daughter from from um, an overdose mm. and he he takes that and he uses it to drive him and help continue to facilitate change and so from a from a perspective of like just wanting to be better he's one of those one of those people and then the the I think there's a combo of, of people. So, um, the last would be this, a gentleman, you know, a doc by the name of Bill Hegard and the other one is uh, Steve Smith. So, the, you know, you guys may know Steve Smith from his EKG blog, you know, so, uh, Bill is, is someone who is now an admin and, you know, he always said to me when I was a resident, the only way you can be good at admin is by being a good doc. Mm-hmm. And so his thing to me was always be a become a really good physician and then figure out from there you can you can be a good uh, administrator or do that's something right. outside. That's right. And then Steve Smith is another person that I feel like I I I pray that I can even come close to, you know, even like a quarter of, of what he does. I mean, he's been practicing for, you know, over I want to say over 30 years. Sorry Steve, I don't know if that's how old you he are. He was a doctor at 12. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Doogie Hauser. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean, Steve Smith is, is a genius, um, you know, but the thing about him is that he is someone who just wants to be better. And so he pushes residents and asks questions that make you uncomfortable and calls you out. Mm-hmm. You know, it may make you feel uncomfortable. That's not why he calls you out. He, he's He's saying this because he wants everyone to learn and do it the right way. And he's so passionate about it. You know, you look at his EKG blog. I mean, this guy has been doing this for years and you, re- you read his EKG blog and it's like a book, you know, and the reason he does is cause he's passionate about it. And mm-hmm. so I think that's one of those things where like, never forget the only way you're going to be good at something is if you enjoy it and you're passionate about it. And once you've lost that joy, maybe you should think about why or, Maybe it's time to move on. Yeah, how do you get it back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you get it back by what you're doing. You know, you find. That's true. You find other things. If you just do medicine, I, I don't know. I, I I'm one of those people that believes that if you're if your only thing is like medicine, you're you're going to burn out. You got to find those other pieces that make you happy in life. That's right. Complementary pieces. Yeah. Absolutely. You know whether it be family, skiing, whatever. You know, just find it. So, but that's why those three people have like really affected me and how I think about things. You know? Yeah. And I always call like I call Steve Anderson whenever I have an issue. I mean, he's the one that I like. I'll call for advice, and he's always there. He's always like mm-hmm. gives a, an amazing answer that's like great perspective. I mean, that's why I'm I'm in in uh, in our group now. You know, it's because he was like, if that's what's gonna make you happy, you gotta do yep. it. So Yep. It's hard decision. You have to, be, and you have to be available, and he's available, yeah, which okay. is the start.
0: <laughs> All right, man. What's you know? Finally, uh, what is your teaching style? What how would you, what would you say that residents or APPs that work with you, or nurses, or you know,
1: folks when you're doing your IM stuff? What would they? How would they describe Ricky Dalywald, the teacher? I think it's a combo. So I'm a see one, do one, teach one kind of person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I will show you how to do do whatever. You know if you if you want to learn and i'll i'm excited to do it if you do and then you see it and then you do it you know if you need help you need help and then i think the other part is is uh asking questions you know i uh i will ask like probing questions to get your opinion and then uh give you my insight after that and you know that way you can Make your own practice because I think the key about this is that you know we all like we listen to EM Rap, we listen to you know all these different podcasts. Yeah, the Emergency Medical Minute. The Emergency Medical Minute. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Emergency Medical Minute. But no, we can listen to both. You, you, but you get all this information, and we just talked about this. You know, there's a lot of misinformation, mm-hmm. right? And so if you don't take the time to come up with your own opinion and have facts behind it, like read the data. You're just you're you're not gonna really understand why you're doing the things you're doing, and sometimes you're gonna be doing wrong things because you didn't actually take the time to figure it out yourself. And And you have to stake your claim. You do. You can't wish and wash and
0: what you know. You have to. To your point of asking questions, tell me what you would do.
1: Right. You have to stake your claim, and you can be wrong. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is that the thing about emergency medicine is that. The practice is different. There's a, there's a. Even within the city, things are different. Mm-hmm. Then you go regional, right? I mean, the, I, I can tell you that I do things way different, probably, than you do in some things, right? Yeah, you probably know? a lot better. Yeah, I've yeah. been told. I mean, that's. I'm not going
0: to say that, but. You know, but that, but that's a low bar. That that's a low bar. To, yeah. So I mean, you know, I would expect a little bit more from
1: you. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's just how it goes. But I, those are the things. Like, I, I don't think that. I mean, there's definitely wrong ways of doing things. but Correct. I, I think that. There's multiple ways of doing things, and not knowing and understanding that, that those are out there and figuring out how you're going to go about uh, learning it is really important. So during residency, that's the time you take especially uh, to understand literature and, like, figuring out how do I analyze this yep, literature. that's right. Because you're not going to have, you know, your – Your, your, your faculty, faculty mentor, yeah, yeah,
0: walking you through an article – you Know every other day, yeah. That says, Did you look at table one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the groups weren't even the same, so it's <laughs> like, but,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but you have to learn the the mechanism of how to do it, yeah. Because I mean, the next thing you know, you're going to be giving chloroquine hydroxychloroquine to a patient for a <laughs> COVID. Wait, no, yeah, you got high that, doses, high that doses doesn't work. No, it works really well. You just wait till they have an arrhythmia, it and has you an give effect. Them more, I, th- I think we can definitively say yeah, it has I an mean, effect, they won't get malaria. <laughs>
0: It's true. That sounds like a lot of internal medicine. We'll have to push that back to another pod, podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, you want to talk internal medicine? Yeah, I am.
0: Yeah, next time. Next time. This is the emergency medical. Oh mode. yeah. sorry about that. Hey, we do a lot of IM. No, yeah, no. I actually, uh, it's it's pretty cool. You, you're still keeping that practice active. It's pretty cool. Well, I got I got to take the board. So, oops. Board eligible physician, Dr. Ricky Dollarwall. No, that's me. It <laughs> should go fine. It should go fine. Yeah.
1: yeah that's a that's a, another test so th-
0: a it's, it's true you order more than one dose at a time It's actually a queue some number of hours
1: uh, uh, yeah I mean there is you know every once in a while I do one times but you know there yeah there's a queue that queue in front of it means mm. something. And you're supposed to know how often you give it on a regular basis. I mean, it just depends. I mean, this day and age, I mean, with with the number of patients we're holding, I mean, you better learn that (laughs) cue.
0: That's right.
1: Observational medicine is the next frontier of emergency medicine. I mean, it's already there. Yeah, it's true.
0: It's true. (laughs) It's it's the great uncompensated frontier.
1: Get used to it. It's all going to be acute care continuum at some point. Mm. You know, it's going to be the ED and then the ICU and then the rest are going to be something else. Yep. I don't know. Look at what dispatch health is doing. You know, they're flipping it outside. Ooh, shout out. Yeah, shout out, right?
0: Now it is the future. What? Speaking of the future, last question. I think I've said last
1: question before, but this is actually the last okay. question yeah. because you look like you're falling asleep. Uh, I did fall asleep twice. I'm gonna have to go back and this poor guy didn't overnight and got like seven minutes of sleep. He he doesn't no. look like it at all.
0: Uh, well, it's a lot of it's a lot of caffeine. What does the future hold for Ricky Dollywall? Answer that question in whatever way you would like. Five years, ten years, yeah. one
1: year. I don't know. I mean, I, I, th- I think I have an idea of goals that I want to do, you know, like I, I want to get into admin, do more admin work. And I think I'm, you know, I've made some decisions to get myself there. And I think I'm I'm hoping hoping that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm heading there, which and then, you know, I think um, I see myself doing that, but being in the advocacy realm for mm-hmm. for medicine, whether that be um, helping uh, within the state or. Uh, running for an office or something, but I I think that we need more voices uh, in medicine that are trying to push for patient what what's best for patients and what's best for uh, medicine as a whole, which involves physicians. You mm-hmm. know, you know things like what just happened in the, in our state regarding mental health for physicians. It's a travesty. Uh, you know, like the ability for a physician to get uh, mental health that is confidential. Uh, mental health help that is confidential, whether that be, you know, for depression, substance abuse, whatever, is is a, a, a it's a non.
0: It should be a non-negotiable. It should be
1: a non-negotiable issue, you know. And we just in the middle of COVID, you know, our governor. I'm I'm becoming political here, but you know, Governor Polis, uh, just uh, changed things, and it's because the trial lawyers had a lot of power, and we didn't know was happening, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that we need more emergency medicine physicians, um, you know, on the ground floor of legislation. And that's how you do it. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: Dr. Ricky Dollywald. not the last time we'll be on the podcast, but uh, appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Enjoyed it. We are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education. Please help us out by rating us on iTunes, following us on social media, and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com.